I want to speak to you briefly for 15 minutes about Jesus, the only foundation for our lives. Amen? Jesus is the only foundation that we can build upon. And this is what Paul says. We are on part nine now of our journey through Corinthians. For those of you that are visiting, we've been doing this for nine weeks, and we are preaching through Corinthians and trying to learn what we can in terms of our own culture and our own lives, how this letter applies to us. And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. By the grace that God gave me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I said to you in this letter, there are six problems that Paul addresses in this letter. And each time he addresses the problem, he presents a theology, he, he speaks the gospel into that problem, and then he applies it to the people's lives. And so the first problem was disunity in the church. We found out that some of the people in the church preferred one preacher to the other, and they were thought they were quite spiritual in choosing their favorite preacher. And Paul says, actually, you are still behaving like ordinary people if you think like that. There's only one who saved you and his name is Jesus. And so put your trust in him. The polis is nothing, Paul is nothing, only Christ. And he's the one that we build our foundation upon. And so he challenges them in terms of their own sense of worldly wisdom that they think they can do this in the church and evaluate these preachers according to their, their own um, uh, criteria. Are they great orators? Are they unique in their perspective? Are they more anointed than the other one? And so this is how Paul says, well, don't don't think like that. That's behaving like just an ordinary person. You're not an ordinary person anymore. You are a spiritual person born again by the Spirit of God. And the great truth that he wants you to know in your life is that Jesus is the way of salvation. And he's the only one you can build your life on. And people are just servants. They get on and point people to Jesus. Amen? So that's what Paul has said. And now in this, in this um, portion this morning, he kind of starts being positive about what ministry is. And remember last week, also Clive, Clive unpacked that so beautifully about, he says, when you behave like this and you make these judgments in the church, you are carnal, you are fleshly. You're not, you, are, you, you should know better by the Spirit, but you're actually judging like ordinary people. Don't, don't do that. You, you're no longer those that are controlled by your fleshliness. You are now controlled by the Holy Spirit who wants you to take you forward into all truth. And Clive did an amazing job last week, and so I encourage you to listen online. And now he gives two illustrations, simple, simple illustrations to speak positively about what ministry is in the church. And he uses two images. He says, you are God's field, the church is God's field, and the church is God's building. All right? He uses these two simple images. And so the first one in verse 9, he says the church is like a big farm. It's like a big field where things grow. And he says there are some people that are used by God to initiate and to plant so the thing can start to grow. And he said he himself, Paul says, I planted. So that's what, he, what, 
he starts with, he says, I'm someone that actually initiated something by planting people into God's kingdom. And so there's this idea that there are those that pioneer, that plant through evangelism, and they birth the church. And that's exactly what Paul did in Corinth. He was obedient to the call of God in his life, and he came and he preached Jesus Christ in Corinth. People came to faith, and the church was born. And so he says that was his role in, in this, this church in Corinth. And so um, this is what, to be apostolic in the sense of what Paul, the way he uses that word, to be an apostle, is not just to take over existing churches or to build a network. And we, we've seen it all over the world. There are lots of networks, and that's, that happens. People do that. They get churches together. But to be an apostle like Paul was to go where other people had not gone and to plant churches where no one had heard the gospel and to preach Jesus and to evangelize so that people got saved. Yes? So that's what it means to be an apostle in the sense of Paul. Now we go to Cambodia and there's a guy that you've never ever heard of. Well, you've heard of his name because we've mentioned his name. His name is Buna Yin. He's in his 40s. He's planted 25 little churches in Cambodia and he's gone where no one else has gone. Isn't that beautiful? So he is being apostolic in that sense, truly. He is going into a place where no one else has been. No one has heard the name of Jesus. He's preaching and people are getting saved. He is birthing the church in Cambodia. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why we go. We're going just to help him. Because we can help. And to blow wind in his sails and lift his arms up and to help wherever we can so that he can carry on doing what God has called him to do there. It's to minister to the poor, preach Jesus and see people saved into churches. Amen? So that's what it means to be apostolic. And in a sense, Helen and I were obedient to the call of God in our lives with what we understood 23 years ago. And we came here, and we preached the gospel, and this church was born. And that's part of what God called us to do. And so that's what Paul means when he says he is a planter. He puts people in the soil. He taught them the basic teaching of Messiah about Jesus, and he did that. And as he was faithful in that, God used him to bring people to faith. And he organized those people into churches, and that's what apostolic ministry is. And then secondly, Paul says, there are those that plant, initiate, and then there are secondly, there are those that water, that are like fertilizer, that are good at making the thing grow. And Paul says there was a guy called Apollos who was like that, who came alongside him, and he was very good at encouraging, watering, and fertilizing God's Word, so it grew. And we need both of those gifts. There's a certain kind of gift that helps, is good at planting and establishing, and then there's another kind of gift that is a watering gift, a teaching gift. When people are good at watering, you understand something more of God's Word, of, of who He is, and, and uh, you love Him better, and you, you kind of understand things. And that's what a good waterer does, brings life. That's what water does. It brings life wherever it goes. And we need preaching gifts in the church that can bring life. Yes. And we need apostolic gifts to plant, but we need building gifts to bring life, and we need the prophetic to help us see what we can't yet see through God and His words. We need all of these gifts, and that's why we need a team, and that's why Paul needed a team. He needed all sorts of people to work alongside him, so those that were good at planting, those that were good at watering, to keep the thing fresh and alive, and it takes great, great skill to encourage people in an ongoing way. How many of you in business know that? To keep people motivated and sustained is an incredible gift. 
to do that year after year after year to help people in their, in their walk with Jesus and to keep them encouraged and focused. And, and so there's a kind of preacher that knows how to draw this fresh water from the well of God's Word to use it to keep, to keep people alive and fresh and refreshed and encouraged. Come on. We need that kind of preacher as well. And so thirdly, Paul says this. So there's those that plant, those that water and encourage. Then thirdly, he says, it's only God that makes anything grow. <laughs> we always need to remind ourselves of that, isn't it? For any ministry, any church, is it growing? Is there blessing on it? And we don't have to get too fussed about how we measure that blessing. But the heart of the matter is that God makes it grow. And I love this. He says, neither he who plants, in other words, myself, Paul, or the one who waters is anything. He's like saying, we are nothing. It's only God. It's only Jesus. He's, he's the one we want to glorify. He's the one we want to point people to. There's a wonderful Bible teacher uh, who says this, McLaren. He says this, what is the use of fighting of which of the two nothings is the greater? Don't you love that? What is the use about fighting about who of the two nothings, the one who plants or the one who They're both nothing. It's only Jesus who makes it grow. So why fight about the nothings to see who's the greatest nothing? Amen. Come on. It's about Jesus. He is the only foundation. He is the one that we want to point people to. And fourthly, Paul says, I'm doing quite well. Ten minutes. I've got ten minutes left. Fourthly, Paul says, each worker gets their reward. Yes? So everyone who cooperates with God in their lives, you and I, however God's called you to live and what your gift is, as you cooperate with Him, as you begin to be a co-worker with Him, you get a reward. And we are re re rewarded according to our faithfulness, and that's not determined by our giftedness. There are some people that are more gifted than others. God's not worried about how gifted you are. That's His grace gift to you. <laughs> Isn't it? You've had nothing to do with it. It was just God's kindness that you're very good at what you're good at. And so if you're very good at something, that's cool. You be faithful what you, with what you're very good at. Yeah? Because that's what really counts, is to be faithful with what we're gifted with over a long period of time. And so there must be some increase. There must be some fruit in what we do. But our reward is not determined by the size of the increase. It's, it's determined by how faithful you are over a period of time. And I really believe that with all of my heart. Because we get too, we get too kind of caught up with big ministries and trying to emulate big ministries. Just be faithful with your gift. Come on. All of us, be faithful in our gift, and Jesus will make it grow. God will make it grow. And whatever your giftedness is, as you offer it up to him, he will be faithful, and it will grow, and he will bless your life. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, Charles Hodge, a wonderful theologian, he puts it like this. He says, the faithful, laborious minister or missionary who labors in obscurity, bunayin, without much fruit, will meet a reward for those that is far beyond those with less self-denial and less effort are made the instruments of great results. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, actually, you just get on, and if your field that God has given you is in the middle of nowhere, like Cambodia, where not many people go, and there are no big churches, you're faithful with your gift, God will reward you amazingly. And yet we look at the other things, you know, and I don't want to pick on America, but America has got a lot of big churches. And we're like, oh, we want to be like that. No, just, just be faithful with the gifts that God has given you. Yeah, in your life, in this nation, and God will bless you.
he'll make it grow. Don't try and be like someone else. G. Campbell Morgan, wonderful. Uh, remember Westminster Chapel? Um, R.T. Kendall was leading at Westminster Chapel, and he preached in this church. Well, G. Campbell Morgan was before um, Martin Lloyd-Jones in the, the turn of the century. He was leading that church, and he handed it over to Martin Lloyd-Jones in 1943. And uh, someone asked him, all these young guys used to come and ask him how he was successful in preaching. And he would answer in this way. He says, I always say to them the same thing. Work. Work hard. And then again, work. We, we get kind of like, you know, with ministry, it's all about the warm and fuzzies. Well, actually, it is. And they're wonderful when it happens. But mostly ministry is about hard work in the Word. Letting it tra tra transform you and change you. And as it changes you and transforms you, you pass that on to other people. It's about preaching, working hard, loving people. That's what ministry is about. Not the outward, not the increase, not the fruit of many people. That's good. But there's an inward thing that God does in all of our lives. And so this is what Paul says in his, his second illustration. He says the church is God's building. Do you notice that? The church is God's building. Of course the church is not a building. And I know that. And many people have said that to me over the years. And I know that. The, the, this, this building here is just a tool for the task. That's all it is. Without this building, we couldn't do what we're doing. The church is not the building. I get that. But do you notice that Paul says, the church is like a building. Why does he say that? Because there is an architect. His name is Jehovah. His name is God. He is the architect of his church. He has a plan, and it's our responsibility as co-workers. What does Paul say? I am a master builder. I know, I know what the architect is about, and I'm following the architect's plan. As a master builder, I'm putting into practice what the architect is saying the church needs to be. And he's using this illustration on purpose. He's a very bright person. And so if, as we did our renovation upstairs, we asked for a master builder. If I had built that upstairs, you would, as a builder, it would not look like it looks like right now. I promise you that. There was a master builder who came and had a blueprint and a plan and did it exactly according to the plan. That's Paul's point. The church is like a building, and so the church needs master builders. Do you notice that he lands right on the beginning when he says, According to the grace that God gave me, I labored amongst you as a master builder, a wise builder. He's, that's all he's saying is, he's a bricklayer. He's putting living stones on top of each other. And that's what you and I are called to do as well. But it starts with this declaration of grace in his life. In other words, right at the beginning, he understands that what God's called him to do is not because he's clever, not because he's the most gifted or the most deserving. He understands he's not the most deserving. It's purely God's grace to him that has enabled him to build the church. And that's what he says. Right at the beginning, according to the grace of God, I labored amongst you as a master builder. I could see the plan. I, I'm, I, I, God is the architect. I'm just getting on and, and, and co-laboring with God to ensure this building rises. Yes? And so I want to say to you that it's extraordinarily difficult to build churches. And there is the difficulty of laying down good doctrine, and that's becoming increasingly challenging in our 21st century culture, where it's pushing in on, 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 on Christian faith in so many different ways, and we have to keep our courage as believers and as preachers just to preach God's Word. 
to lay down the doctrine that's been handed to us and to be faithful with it in a kind and gracious way, that's a massive challenge. But I, I found this, it's even more of a challenge to, over many years, encourage good spiritual habits in people and encourage good relationships between people in the church. What a challenge that is. It's all of those things. So it's the theology and it's the preaching and it's the worship, but it's also how do people get on with each other? Do they love each other? Do they forgive? Do they practice forgiveness? Yes, that's intangible, isn't it? It's quite a challenge. That only comes by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say that for me, the church needs wise master builders who are rooted in God's grace in their own lives. It doesn't need entrepreneurs. <laughs> doesn't. I was watching a thing online. This guy was trying to encourage people to church, plant churches. And he said, do you have an entrepreneurial spirit that you want to start new things? Come and I'll teach you how to plant a church. I want to say, wrong foundation. Absolutely wrong. Then you just get business models of church where people come and do this and do that. Don't love people as long as they get people through the door, onto the seat. Do anything to get people through the door. Best worship, best preaching, best light rig. Get people through the door. Paul was a father, a master builder who loved people. And he pointed them to Jesus. He was a master builder. That's what we need in the church. Gracious, kind, fatherly master builders who are rooted in the grace of God themselves and love people and show them how to love Jesus. That's what we need. Don't get the, all the other stuff. That's the only foundation we can build on. And that's what Paul says. Apostles, church planters, they lay the foundation. There's only one good foundation. His name is Jesus. And for any kind of structure to rise on top of that foundation, the foundation must be deep and solid and sure. And so we are called as co-laborers to continue to build the foundation of Jesus. I laid a foundation as a wise builder, says Paul in verse 9, and someone else is building on it. Isn't that interesting? Even in Paul's life, there were someone else's, someone else's that were co-laboring, that were helping to build on the foundation of Jesus. And so there were many people involved in different kinds of ways. And so we, we need to continue to bear that in mind as we build this church. There are many people that will come alongside to help that happen. Apostolic gifts, teaching gifts, prophetic gifts, Worship gifts. But as we build, all of us, as we build, we can only do this. We can only let, continue to lay the foundation of Jesus in people's lives. That's what we're called to do. Everyone that co-labors in this church. And one day, I will not be leading this church and someone else will be building on my work that I started in this church. And my prayer is that person would love the gospel, would love Jesus, would love people, would be a good father and would not deviate from the truth of the gospel one iota or scrap that they'd have the courage to stand on the foundation of Jesus and keep on building. That's my prayer. And we trust God will bring those people to help us to do that as we go forward. So the church is like a building, and every building of any size to be good and strong and permanent needs deep, deep, deep foundations of Jesus. And that's what master builders do. They help you to see Jesus. They help you to build your life on Jesus. Remember the wonderful story? And um, one minute, I'll finish, and then we're going to sing. Remember Jesus' wonderful story in Matthew 7, 24. You know it well. We learned it, at, I learned it when I was about five years old at, 
at, no, at um, Sunday school. Therefore, everyone who hears this, these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, the foundation. And when the rain comes, the streams rise and the winds blew and beat against the house. It did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the great wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't know about you, I don't want my life to fall in a great crash. I want to be solid when the wind comes and the storm comes and it blows and culture bashes me and says, you're out of alignment with history and what do you believe, you old-fashioned man? I want to stand on God's Word with a deep foundation that does not move so I can be like a house that's not blown over. That's what he says, Paul. And so let's not build on our culture, our family tradition, our, tr our church tradition. It's a weak foundation. Only foundation is Jesus. The foundation of the church in Corinth was Jesus Christ. It had already been laid partly by God himself who gave us Jesus. So God has already laid the foundation of the church in all of our lives because he's given us Jesus. That's the foundation upon which we all build. And Paul's work was to preach about Jesus. I resolved, remember chapter 2? I resolved to know nothing while I was amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he did the best that he could to lay the foundation of Jesus, to continue to preach about Jesus that required a miracle of faith, it required a miracle of the Holy Spirit, and it happened, and everyone that came alongside him preached Jesus, loved Jesus, pointed people to Jesus, and that was the only foundation that they built on. And we must continue to do the same. Preach Jesus, love Jesus, point people to Jesus. And I pray that in your life, whatever opportunity you have to do that, you will do that. That your light that we sang about this morning, the light of your own life will shine into the lives of your friends and family that they can see Jesus. And you'll do all that you can to make him glorious. Amen.